Albert, I hate to admit this, but I don't understand this situation at all. Hey, folks, and welcome to a very special episode of a damn fine podcast. Uh, This is the show that revisited and reanalyzed and is now keeping up with Twin Peaks and Twin Peaks The Return. And this week on our point five episode, we are continuing to process and digest (laughs) Twin Peaks The Return, particularly part eight. I'm Tom Merritt. With me, of course, is Rod Richards. Hello, Tom. Yes, we couldn't eat. It's the 4th of July weekend here in the United States. And and, and because of that, Showtime is not airing an episode. And we were going to skip. I think last episode we said we're going to get a nice two-week break to kind of absorb. And I think maybe we lasted two days before one of us was like, we should still do an episode, I think. So. <laughs> and the, and I don't remember which one of us was first, but the other was like, yes, I've been thinking the same thing. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. And so we figured we figured this would be a great moment to kind of take a pause. We're, we're not quite halfway through, but almost halfway through on, on uh, the Twin Peaks The Return. So we thought it'd be a good time to kind of take a moment, you know, expand on our observations, expand on how we're thinking, and also to hear from some of our great past guests, uh, including uh, Mr. Dave Broderick. How you doing, Dave? Pretty well, Ron. How are you? Good, good. Thanks for coming back. We last heard from you when you were uh, the pre-show, when we were our our uh, pre-season premiere speculation show. So (laughs) Exactly. And I I was very excited then, and I'm very excited now. Thanks for having me back. Excellent. And of course, we had to check in with the excitable Mallory O'Meara. How you doing, Mallory? Ah, Hi, guys. (laughs) (laughs) I I can't even... I'll save it all for the discussion, but I am just like... (laughs) It's funny, because I think out of all of our guests, the the Enthusiasm Awards, and Tom, I hope you agree with me here, the Enthusiasm Awards would be split between... Mallory and Anthony Carboni, and yeah. but but luckily yeah. I think uh, Mallory's enthusiasm skews a little more positive than Anthony's these days. So. Oh yeah, I was actually hoping he would be on this episode so I could just like counteract him. <laughs> well, that's actually a good point because one of the reasons why we wanted to come back here um, was because Tom, as you mentioned last week, was episode eight, which I think is it did a very good job at, at turning our brains upside down and stomping on them. And, <laughs> and yeah, and and I, and I know we got a few people. Uh, who thought we didn't like part eight uh, and some other more more tempered people who said, oh, yeah, I think you guys missed a lot of things. Yep. Uh, and and I have to say, some of those people waited two or three days before they told us these opinions. And our show was us minutes after part eight, giving our unvarnished and unbiased impressions. And I hold to it. That is exactly how I felt immediately after watching part eight. But I have to say, the more time I spent thinking about that, the more time I got to talk to other people and start to realize, hey, wait a minute, those lumberjacks look like the lumberjacks from Firewalk with me. Hey, yeah. wait a minute, I think I know what this meant. And and even just the process of saying, oh man, what a weird scene. I think it means this. And starting to flesh out these theories, I started to realize this is an incredibly rich episode, even though it feels crazy because you have a whole Nine Inch Nails song and because you have no dialogue, it is so much deeper and richer than than I was able to digest immediately after the show. And so I have done a complete 180 from bewilderment to admiration. And and as I, I think I may have said on Twitter, I did not like watching part eight. I didn't like the process of watching part eight, but man, I feel really, really glad that I watched it. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and that it has been working on my mind. It's almost like a medicine that's like, well, I didn't want to swallow the pill, but once I did, I, oh, I'm really enjoying the effects of it. <laughs> Tom, did you drink deep? Yes, I drink yes, deep from the yes, well. This yes, is yes. The, that that episode was the water and the well. Yeah. Yes. And and to add to that, Tom, I know we we kind of put the call out at the end of last week's episode for everyone to go and kind of leave, leave uh, ratings and reviews on iTunes, which many of you did, and I want to thank everyone to do that. And many of you also were very honest in your rate in your reviews, which I also thank you for. But um, I don't want to miss. I don't. I want to clarify some things with some of our with some of the listeners. Don't misunderstand. We are doing this show out of a pure un adulterated love for Twin Peaks. Like I would not take, we would not take the hours that goes into doing the show if we did not love every minute of the show. And while we might be a little critical or we might try to wrap our heads around things or try to understand them or whatever, do not mistake that for not liking the show or wanting to like, part of the fun for me is getting on Skype with my friends here and we talk about the show and you you throw around crazy theories and all that sort of stuff. And some people have, have mistaken that for, oh, well, you know, they don't get it or they don't understand or they don't even like it. Like, no, no, no. I've loved every episode of The Return so far. At, you know, from, from Dougie Jones all the way to uh, the, the, the art school uh, exercise of episode eight, right? Like, well, man, I still, I still hold to my frustration with Dougie. That, yeah. is, that is a true, and, un, and, and I'm not making it up. I'm yeah. not trying to be clever, you know, and try to cause... I, I, I'm definitely frustrated with Dougie, and I was glad there was little Dougie, uh, yeah. no Dougie in part eight. And, and I still did not enjoy watching part eight the first time through. I, 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 I'm not oh, even putting I am it a too total, to, okay, that, before I say what I'm about to say, I want to yeah, yeah. like confess, I'm a huge Eraserhead fan. Eraserhead is sometimes, not always, my favorite David Lynch movie. And I am going to go out and say it, episode eight is my favorite so far. I That's love great. every fucking second of it because about <laughs> at like maybe 15 minutes in after the nine inch nails, like we're really deep into it. All of a sudden I turned to the friends I was watching this with and I was like, can you fucking believe this is on yep. TV? Mm-hmm. This like one of the most amazing things about Twin Peaks was what it did to television when it was on 25 years ago. And now like, look how far David Lynch is pushing the envelope. Nobody else has ever done this. And I like had one of those amazing cultural moments where I was like, I'm witnessing cultural history. Nobody's ever done like done this on TV. David Lynch is making America sit there and watch this. And this, I just like, I loved every second of it. I was like, Ron, during the sweeping scene, I was like, give me more. <laughs> I, I want all of this. I just loved it. I was like grinning from ear to ear the entire time. Dave, how do you... I, and, and, and I think that's what's amazing that I didn't realize... Yes. Until later, and and I I, I want to say when I say I didn't enjoy it, I that may be putting it too strongly, but I was certainly not. It was challenging. Uh, cheering it was like, challenging. Like like it, it was incredibly oh, yeah. challenging. Yeah, and yet it it did strike me later that like you know what that's what Twin Peaks was in its first two seasons on yep. broadcast television. It's way harder to disrupt television these days because we have so much better television and that's what david lynch is doing is saying fine if, if you can handle game of thrones if you can handle american gods uh yes. let me let me let me push the bar even higher yeah and that was that was what i felt i mean i looked over my wife uh and you know we've been watching I've, I've recanted the story before of how we walked down the aisle at our wedding 20 odd years ago to the twin peaks theme oh my god can you guys adopt me? <laughs> this is the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh, and and I, I I turned to her and I said, I, without this, what we're seeing right now, without what was 25 years ago, 
we wouldn't be able to see what we're about to watch after this, which was American Gods. Then we decided I didn't think we could be able to take the ne- the final episode of American Gods after that that episode. No, of Twin Peaks. it <laughs> oh, was God, you know, no. yeah. yeah. But I mean, th- it was that sort of idea that, of I'm watching television history was cool. Also, I I, I when I was watching it, I had this. There were parts of it that were very uncomfortable. Um, the the ripping off of the heads was 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 a little yes. bit challenging. Let's yeah. say that. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, my wife at one point turned away and she just said, "Just you know, just yell when it's over." Uh, and I, I told her it was over. And then I went up and I got myself just a big glass of cold gin because uh, <laughs> it was just like that was a bit much. And I think I I just drank back like four shots of gin with ice in it. It's like, okay, that was okay. I feel better now, but yeah, it it was intense and, uh, but amazing too. And I went back to watched it uh, today and knowing what's coming, it was still amazing to watch. Like it still moved me. Uh, and, and you're right, Tom, like you're sitting there watching it going, wait a second. I think I have an idea who that is. As soon as I saw a convenience store, I actually got, I looked at my wife and I, I said, look at my arm, goosebumps. Yeah, well, that's the, th- that's, that's the thing. Like this, ep- this episode accomplished two things for me, at least. For one, was that it, it stuck with me. I mean, like it is now. Here we are, a week later, yes. and I don't think there's oh, a day yeah. that's gone oh, by yeah. that I haven't I haven't thought about it. I haven't gone yes. back and watched part of it. And I just got to yes. admit, from a from a cinematography standpoint and a beauty of filmmaking standpoint, like I have mm-hmm. watched the slow zoom on the on the mushroom cloud uh, several times, uh, and like that shot is gorgeous. And oh, I've been uh, walking around saying to people, got a light, just random. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so, you know? so not only has it stuck with me, which is, which I think is what good cinema, good film, good TV does, mm-hmm. you know, like that's, a th- you know, like after I saw train spotting two, two weeks later, I was still thinking about it and still processing it. Like that's, that's a sign of a good movie. But then also, um, this l- ignited the 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 light of speculation we've been speculating the first seven episodes what does this mean who is this how does this tie into it but i mean tom the, from evidence from the activity in the damn fine slack with our with our patrons it, it's it's been like every day well wait a minute did you see this and this ties to this and what about this and like drawing all these conclusions and mm-hmm. now we're getting the crazy wall in our apartments where we're we're tying things together and <laughs> yeah. uh, you know and i think break that, out the yarn kids yeah, exactly yes, exactly and, and, I don't know, and i don't know if they planned it to go with the two-week break or if that's just happenstance or luck but like talk about good timing because now oh this it's not happenstance this is fucking lynch and frost like everything (laughs) is planned here we all know that (laughs) they are and they're playing us like fiddles and i fell head first into their trap of Mm -hmm. of okay no no you guys i don't get this i'm confused and then three days later my mind saying no you got it you watched it you internalized it because like you said ron i think what Mm -hmm. totally changed my opinion was realizing that i couldn't stop thinking about it right and i couldn't stop speculating and coming up and seeing new connections and like you say going into slack and having other people point out connections i hadn't observed and just enriching it even more and if that's not a sign of, of, of a good episode of television, I don't know what it is. Yeah, right. Agreed. Honestly, I think it was the most from a mythological, like, here's the story of uh-huh. Twin Peaks. Here's the here's the callbacks to the secret history. Here's everything that's been going on behind the scenes. I think this might be one of the most important episodes of Twin Peaks, all three seasons combined. Yep. Yeah, I think you're right. Like yeah, right. and and yeah, also I, and also like you mentioned, Mallory, that connection to I know we've said it several times. We even said it last week on last episode, but it's becoming apparent that the secret history of Twin Peaks is like necessary reading going into this. Because, oh, absolutely! Because now we've seen we've seen at least I mean in the in these eight episodes alone, but in the last episode, direct ties to what Mark Frost wrote about in that book. 
and you know having it play out on the screen and i don't think it's i don't think it's necessary reading it definitely enhances the reading you know it gives you more of that background it gives you more of that for, that, for optimal enjoyment please exactly. take secret history of twin peaks <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly but yeah so i mean and i and i don't know i mean I, tom i don't know if we want to just you know kind of dive into series uh, to episode eight because that's the most recent or i mean i would I, i'm assuming dave and mallory you both guys are generally on the on the season as a whole thumbs up thumbs up Oh, yeah. oh I, I, I actually went out and bought an extra thumb just so I could give it <laughs> for this. But I think, you know, episode eight, obviously, is the one everyone's talking about because it's so intense and it's so different from the rest of the series. But I think it's the one that actually reminds us that how vast this story is. Yes. And, you know, we are watching this and we're trying to analyze every single moment. Oh, what does this mean? What does this mean? How does this tie in? But we are looking at the world of Twin Peaks through a tiny little pinhole and we are not even halfway there yet. You know, we yes. still have another episode and this is forcing us to be like, all right, we are in the middle of a vast ocean of story and there's so many threads and there's so much going on and it's mm -hmm. so vast across time and space and dimensions that David Lynch is just reminding you, you have to be patient. And it's so easy to get frustrated and it's so easy to be like, I don't know, I don't know what this means. But it's one of those things where at the end of all of it, you're like, oh, like I think it was, it must have been in the uh, Damn Fine podcast Slack channel that someone connected the God of Light guy with, he was in the, above the convenience store and Firewalk mm -hmm. with me. Like you can't, witness planning and story and like world building like that vast over a 30 year span and not feel like you were in good hands yeah i mean right. I, dave how are you feeling so far uh i'm part eight i'm i'm really uh i'm i'm loving it uh there are bits where i i, I kind of wonder at, at the time where the hell are we going uh i don't know this person i don't know what the hell's going on here then i i but i trust in uh, lynch and frost so uh uh, I just sort of figure eventually it'll be tied together. And if it isn't tied together, it obviously didn't matter. Um, yep. So I, so far I've been watching it. Isabel and I, Isabel's my wife and I have been watching it and really liking it. And now and then going, okay, what the hell? Who was that again? What's that? Oh, right, that thing. And she doesn't remember uh, Fire Walk with me as well as I do. So she just remembered it. She found it very upsetting. <laughs> so we haven't watched it since, but uh, or she hasn't. But, uh, uh, you know, I keep saying to her, you should watch that again too. But the thing is, we're still really excited about it uh, every week. You know, it's kind of sad. As much as fun as this is, uh, you know, it'd be great if there was an episode to watch tonight, too. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been great and exciting. And, I mean, the other day we were at a uh, an art exhibit that my wife was uh, exhibiting in. She's an, a visual artist. And uh, a guy gave an artist talk. And one of the things he said is, is anybody here familiar with the work of David Lynch? And I looked over, ah. my, wife and I, I looked over my wife and I said, got a light? <laughs> got a light. <laughs> and uh she's like hitting me stop it what if the artist stop it because <laughs> i just i just embarrass her for, for fun it's sort of a thing you do after a while sure sure yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's your thing you do but yeah i've been loving it. it it's really and i don't even mind the slow reveal of of, of that cooper is eventually gonna i hope come out of ducky uh, i'm, I'm kind of liking that heck i mike i just got a new computer on monday uh at work they refreshed our computers they gave me my new MacBook Air, and I immediately named it Mr. Jackpots. <laughs> nice. Hilarious. Well, nice. I was on sort of on Tom's team for a long time where I was just like, I fucking hate Dougie. Like, because I'm so, I mean, one, he's <laughs> annoying, but also like I am like frothing at the mouth because I miss Cooper so I bad. I want to see Coop. Yeah, totally. But I, I saw, I, and I, I cannot remember who it was online, a friend of mine on Twitter, and I can't remember who, uh, but somebody was talking about how uh, they love Dougie because... 
um, you know, he's such a great symbol of coming back from trauma and coming back mm. from PTSD. Yeah. And I oh, think yeah. that the first two seasons were such a great exploration of sexual abuse, obviously, with the world and yeah. mind and in case of Laura Palmer. And I think it's kind of cool that this whole season really is about coming back from like such a traumatic event and, and Coop's literal like slow return to himself into a world that isn't isn't what it was anymore that doesn't he doesn't recognize and that doesn't recognize him so as frustrating as it is and like you're just you just want like every the when coop and i'm gonna i'm gonna call him coop because i feel like he was coop in this moment when coop karate chopped ike in the neck i mean i like screamed with glee i was just so fucking excited Mm -hmm. so like he's i think he's coming back but i think it is like looking at it from that perspective makes it a lot easier for me to to mm-hmm. to see it from a storytelling perspective and see what what lynch and frost are doing with him well yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's a fun. really good perspective and it's funny because i've had a lot of conversations with friends and stuff like that and we've come up about the the dougie question and i mean i want to go on on record that i've been i've been a fan of the whole dougie thing from the oh, the moment it started yeah. and and what was what <laughs> i really, what i really tapped into it is is that and i made this observation the first time we saw it is that it really was mirroring being there, uh, the Peter Sellers film, and this idea of just mm. kind of you know kind of bumbling through a life and watching totally. you know like like a pinball going you know going around getting knocked from one thing to the other, but then seeing that and then as we know as evidenced by the uh, the sweeping scene, I like the monotony, I like the quiet drawn outness <laughs> of it, and seeing you know like it lulls you to a point of of, of ferociousness of the point of being sick with him, and then we then you start seeing Dougie put the dots together with the insurance things and do the karate chop and like you start seeing shimmering moments of Coop in it and from and like and it all goes back I think Connor Connor Kilpatrick made the observation I think early mm-hmm. on he's like yeah this is called Twin Peaks the Return like and yeah. you know so like it's it's become very clear that this is about the return of Cooper and I think you know kind of our conversation last week with Anthony where we're doing the over under of when we see Coop I'm really feeling like like Part 16 probably is about when Cooper will be back, you know, like fully yeah. back and very much towards the end. Um, who knows? But like, I think the Dougie adventure will pay off. It's got to pay off. And, and I trust in Lynch and Frost. Yeah. yeah, I've never had any doubts that it's not going to pay off. I don't yeah. think we get to episode eight or part 18 and, and <laughs> still Dougie. It's like, see ya. It's just last, Dougie. Last, last scene of the whole series is just. It's just uh, Cooper just putting his thumbs up and just saying it's a damn fine cup of coffee, a little glint in his eye, and yeah, it just yeah. cuts yeah. A- and scene. And we no, were all and we were all Twin Peaks. But uh, I think <laughs> I think Dougie is emblematic of something that's going on here that is what's causing frustration amongst some fans, which yeah. is we really want a part of Twin Peaks that David Lynch is saying, that's not the part of Twin Peaks I'm telling. Yep. Yes. You know, uh, and I think Showtime really anticipated that because I am, I'm actually right now in the process of a very irritating move and I've been like cleaning, like putting all my Twin Peaks stuff together and I went out and got the Entertainment Weekly, like the special Twin Peaks edition and was sort of taking a moment to think about all the different uh, marketing that they did for the show and it's all, you know, your Twin Peaks stuff, it's all Log Lady, it's all... Uh, Audrey, it's uh, like the the one of the covers for Entertainment Weekly is Aud- Audrey holding Coop and looking up at him lovingly. Like they anticipated this shit. Yeah. They they knew that if they were and I and I was also thinking about the fact that they didn't really ever release a trailer for this. Like right up until like almost mm-hmm. Twin Peaks, you know, uh, it, until almost it came out. And even then, it wasn't a trailer where you were like seeing anything that was happening.
happening. So they knew that people were going to be frustrated and they knew that they weren't going to get the fans coming back if they knew that this was what it was going to be. I mean, I think you guys totaled it up. It would be like a half an hour's worth of Twin Peaks footage and, all together yeah. so far. And it's also not, it's not, this isn't for the casual fan. I mean, this is, this is for no. people like us, right? Yeah. My wife, oh, yeah. a friend of my wife said, you know, after watching the first two episodes, she said, what did I just watch? Just some people talking backwards. And it's like, <laughs> no, that's a thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and of course they couldn't have released the trailer or not a trailer, but a, a, a cover, you know, for entertainment weekly. We, we, you, I guess, what would we want? Would we want, uh, frog roach going into somebody's mouth yeah. I mean, <laughs> so I, I understand yeah. why they did that i, I guess yeah, but I get yeah it. but but it, it makes sense but uh, i also this is definitely not for the casual fan the person who just wa- dropped in and out of season one and season two uh, i i posted on facebook a couple of weeks ago that um, my dad would had if my dad were still alive uh, his his review of twin peaks would be what the fuck is this shit what's going on I think it's really funny because a lot of criticism David Lynch got for Fire Walk with me was it wasn't what fans wanted, and now exactly. like th- this is like this is it. This is for us. Like you can yeah. just watch Fire Walk with me without even knowing who David Lynch is, and you can watch it as a movie. This show is for Twin Peaks fans. You asked for it, guys. You fucking for, got it. For, okay? but, but what's really interesting though, fans too. But no, and I agree to that because I I, I, I do agree that that at, unless you're you know steeped in the lore and knew about everything that happened, this wouldn't make sense or whatever. But I do f- find it interesting. Thing. And I would love to talk to somebody who never watched any Twin Peaks who just started watching this trying to make sense of it. Oh, you can talk but, to my boyfriend. He fucking hates uh, it. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, because I because I think I also think that in what we're getting now is you're getting some great performances of things. You know, like, so if I was hanging out with a friend of mine the other night, and he's and he's he's one of us. He's on board. and But he's like, but I'll tell you what. If the show was just Janie E and Dougie and their adventures in Vegas, I would watch that show because Naomi Watts is doing such a great job. Yes. Oh my you know, God! Yeah, you know, Her, I mean that's the scene where she gives the guy the twenty-five grand is awesome. just like yep. perfection. Yeah, perfection. So, so I mean, so we we are getting we there are glimmers of newness or like non-lore kind of stuff. I don't know how Janie E fits into the greater picture of it, if at all. Uh, but yeah, no, but but especially after episode eight, it's hard to deny that this is just you know it's not fan service, but it's definitely you know like whole, you know laid it all out on a platter, and 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 that that becomes that's a dangerous proposition too because you know uh, again I referred to you know Connor Kilpatrick who's been on the show before his immediate reaction to episode eight was that I don't I don't want to know where Bob comes from I don't know I want I don't want to know the origin of this stuff I like it's when you start and that's what we talked about last week with Anthony is that when you start giving answers to questions it gets very dangerous as to what the next step is but what he did was the right way to do it Agreed. because well, yeah. he didn't oh, do and, yes. and this is the thing that it took me a few days to to realize you don't want you know the actor to come out on stage and let me tell you the story of bob right yeah. you know yeah. you don't want to have it delivered to you with like and you, i haven't heard that dis- name in 30 years what we've Will discovered bob. is that bob descended from the he- no you don't want the you know man from another place giving a soliloquy what you got was a way better way to tell this because it isn't being spoon-fed yeah. and there is room for interpretation and you don't know if this is really how it happened or just kind of an impression of how it happened. You don't know what narrator is telling you this. Uh, and that's the way you can safely tell the mythology of Bob so that you're like, well, maybe it was something like this. This is an artistic rendering of Bob's arrival on earth, not a literal telling of the facts of Bob's arrival on earth. And I think that is a way better way to do it because 
I'll just will all just pick this apart if we're given that that literal representation. But instead, we're getting something where we can read into it and divine parts of it and kind of fill in the gaps of the mythology ourselves as viewers, which is a way better way to tell that part of the story, and, in my and, opinion. And even as it and even as it presumably gave us answers, it also, for me at least, opened up other questions, which is like, of okay, course, yeah. Okay, so if the if the assumption is as as shown in episode eight that the Trinity test, this is my theory. Okay, now we're getting to theories or whatnot. But the Trinity test, the nuclear bomb detonation, ripped a, a hole in between our world and whatever world that Bob comes from. And then it's my take too. Yep. You know, and stuff like that, right? Agreed. But but the, the the question to come from that then is that okay, well, I read the secret history of Twin Peaks. What's the darkness in the woods in the Pacific Northwest that goes back to the 1800s? Yeah. And and that's that's something that I expect we are going to get because yeah. of Hawk and yeah. because of Twin Peaks itself, and and that brings me to the last thing before we get to some of the theories that we're sending in our emails because we got some good stuff that we can talk about there. But I think all of us, to a certain extent, and some more than others, really miss. The lightness, the goodness of Cooper, the fun of cherry pie and coffee and, yeah. and goofy investigative, investigative techniques. And what David Lynch is getting to uh, getting through to us in these eight parts is I'm not telling that story. Yep. Don't don't sit around. Even when we go to Twin Peaks, it is not that light, glossy Twin Peaks but, of but, seasons but, one and two. Now, but the thing is, is though, is that he's aware that we want it because we get those oh, yeah. little tastes, you know. And oh, actually, oh, speak, yeah. speaking, and one of the biggest ones is uh, is the 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 spawn of uh, Andy and Lucy with Wally Brando, which reminds you know, me, which reminds me, I am I, not on Team Wally. Well, I like <laughs> I like the Wally Brando. Before before you get I there, b- b- before you get there, I, just. Six hours earlier today, I walked by Michael Sarah on the street in New York City, and it took me no all. Way. It took me all of my restraint not to yell Wally Brando. <laughs> <laughs> like, That's amazing. Yeah. So it was it, for a moment. I was. I literally. We made eye contact. We nodded. I nodded. He kept on walking. Uh, he was going to a party. He had a, he had a case of squirt in his hand. So uh, he's oh, clearly going really. to a barbecue or something. But uh, oh, but, now we're bringing the gossip. The, now we're bringing the Michael Sarah gossip. Yeah, he exactly. carries squirt around. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, well, you know. But that. That reminded that, but that moment reminded me of Wally Brando because honestly, it feels like an eternity since we had that, you know. And and like and those little tastes of Twin Peaks, they're aware of what we want. And they're giving us just a little bit. Like I feel like they're just yes. feeding the beast enough to keep us going from week to week. Yes. All right, let's get to Greg from DC. The first of our emails, and, and usually we only do one because we're trying to keep things tight. But we got a few because they're they're so good and there's so much sure. to talk about. Uh, he says. Wonderful episode to your show to brighten my morning. Anthony's comment about Frank Truman being the real sheriff of Twin Peaks made me wonder if that part of the police station and Frank weren't there all along in the original (laughs) series, but Cooper was just never taken to that part of the building. Uh, In return, I thought I'd share some details and speculations that came to me. Things I noticed because of rewatching the first three episodes, the thing that throws up Bob in a spew of Garmambosia is in credits as experiment the same character name slash actress is the thing in the box in episode one mm-hmm. yep i saw i saw that mentioned in a lot Aww. of places that the yeah so in episode one the thing in the box is credited as the experiment and they give it to a they credit a woman as that and it's the same credit in in uh, this episode so the theory is is that the the vomiting thing in episode eight was the thing in the box that killed the that killed the 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 couple 
So, uh, number two, Jeffries is connected to the contract on Mr. C is known info. Ray mentions him in recorded call to Daria in episode two. Three, do you remember that Bridget Fonda was in this series? No, she huh. is, we haven't seen her yet, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and I think that's what he's saying is like, don't you don't don't forget we yeah. haven't seen her character yet. We haven't seen a lot uh, of characters. Yeah. So. And random observations, one original, one not. Uh, is the '50s girl the future Sarah Palmer? Maybe okay. she moves to Twin Peaks later. Uh, and is the woodsman looks like Abe Lincoln? And in fact, the actor specializes in ap- in appearing as Lincoln. And the teen girl finds a heads up penny, of course, which has Lincoln on it, uh, and he credits Entertainment Weekly with that. So, so to touch upon those immediately, so the the '50s girl is the the young girl whose uh, her mouth gets invaded by the flying frog. Um, a couple of days after episode eight aired, people reach out to me and I, we've talked about it in the Slack and other places se- speculating, was that Laura Palmer's mother went back, did as much research as I can. And Mallory and Dave, I don't know if you guys know this or not, but in the secret history, the only mention of Laura's mother is that when she's already met and married Leland, we never find out where she's actually from. Right. And so I did the math and presumably if she was you know, f- between 40 and 45 in 1989, 1990, the time mm-hmm. period of, of Twin Peaks, which would make sense, then that would put her in 1956 at about somewhere between 11 and 14 years old, which lines up with the mm-hmm. girl. Yeah. So, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, so, I, I, I immediately figured that was, that was uh, I looked at my wife and I said, that's Sarah Palmer. Yeah. And there, then there, she said, is, is that scene over yet? Yep. There, were, there was some speculation that this was Cooper's mother. Some people were saying that. Oh, that's Coop's mother. Mm. Uh, it, according to the biography and other, other materials, uh, Cooper was born in 1954, two years before uh, that scene happened. So Cooper's already born. <gasps> so anyway. Uh, um, can, I, wait, can I just take a quick second to talk about I, – I know we, you guys have talked a little bit about a lot of cast that has, is listed in the cast list but hasn't appeared yet. Uh, Derek Mears, who is listed in the Twin Peaks cast, and he's like a – pretty famous horror creature actor and i'm very very excited because i hope this means we're going to get like a practical special effect creature at some point like a like a suit a guy in a suit like that's all i want is like (laughs) david lynch directing monsters and i'm just waiting for it and i think we might be getting it (laughs) that'd be great um the other the other thing about the woodsman looking like abe lincoln yeah i saw that as well and the guy with the beard and that sort of thing but this goes back to the secret history, which and I don't think this is mentioned in any of the other emails, but this is the other, after watching episode eight, the two things blew my mind. One was, I think it was Aaron in um, one of the damn fine pa- uh, patron supporters in the Slack went to the c- convenience store scene uh, in Firewalk with me and took a still uh, took a screenshot of that. And, Saw that, yeah. yeah. And in the scene where Bob is sitting across from the man from another place and the bowls of Garbogia and Mrs. Tremont and her son are there and the guy in the red suit with the white mask is there. Sitting there are woodsmen. Yep. Lum- lumberjacks, which, so which blew my mind, right? Then number, uh, Yeah, amazing. Th- then number two... If you go to episode eight and when you see the, the, the hope, we call them evil hobos or ashmen, or, or now we're calling them woodsmen, um, outside the convenience store, there are eight of them. And if you go back to the secret history of Twin Peaks, there is a logging fire in 1902 in Twin Peaks that killed eight lumberjacks. Uh, well, I, that's, it's funny you say that because I was just about to say we were calling them sooty or charred hobos because yeah. after an explosion, wouldn't they be a little sooty and charred? Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so whatever ripped a hole in the world. So the assumption being that those dead lumberjack in Twin Peaks are 
the beings that appear at the convenience store in White Sands in 1945, then also appear when Mr. C gets shot in present day. Um, and is that a, and so then the question is, how did they get from Twin Peaks to New Mexico and then to wherever Mr. C was on the side of the road? And if we, it's well, big and, explosions, and, but yeah. if it's big explosions uh, at the mill, and then you got a big explosion, the biggest kind of explosion, and nuclear, maybe big explosions yeah. cause rifts between the two uh, universes. Possibly. Well, Who and, knows? And I, I'm thinking that somewhere in there lies the answer to the darkness in the woods meeting Mm-hmm. This this evil Bob, this e- this evil that was unleashed by the bomb, and that they're not the same source of evil, but like uh, you know finds like, and maybe right. maybe it sends its dark woodsman when it senses that Bob has arrived. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. I think there's going to be good there too, because remember that the log lady's husband, who is living in her log, was he? It's a was a fireman that went to go save and stop right. a, a wood fire. So I wonder Ooh. if there's a balancing force in the log lady's log. I saw some people. I saw some people wondering if the got a light guy was the log lady's husband, but I quickly dismissed that because of that story. No way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I totally agree. But so yeah. the log lady yeah. would pick a way nicer man. But, Come on, yeah. guys, have a little she would, faith. She would never go for a guy that rips people's heads off. Yeah, but but the thing is, or, is or that was that weird a poet? <laughs> but what gets me about that is that you know the fact that those lumberjacks are in the room in Firewalk with me you know whether or not they had it all plotted out in the early 90s or not they've had the story in their head for 25 years and that gives me even so. more faith in Frost and Lynch oh absolutely so, yeah, yeah so alright should we do the next one Tom yeah, uh, an anonymous fan uh, who oh boy. I, I then wrote his name and I realized, well, if he's calling himself an anonymous fan, perhaps I shouldn't write her name. He, so He or she knows who they are. Yeah. Uh, what if the kids in the desert are Coop's parents? What if the frog bug isn't something with the Bob orb or Laura orb, but something else created by the nuclear blasting linked to the rift in space time? Stuff that gets partly genetically passed down to Cooper in the following year or three. Perhaps it could explain why he has his dreams and his eventual fate reaching for straws here. He's also uh, in another part of the email that I edited out. He uh, he is suspecting that maybe the girl and boy we see in the black and white scene is Cooper's parents. And for what it's worth, sure, I was somewhat disappointed we didn't really get any more of the Pixie stuff in Part 8 that was teased all so much in Part 7, but I was completely mesmerized this whole time. Normally, my TV-watching routine is to watch my shows while casually eating dinner, but I got maybe (laughs) two bites in before my eyes, ears, and complete focus was glued to the exploding bomb and the following 2001 Stargate-esque sequence and everything that happened after. Then dinner was cold by the time I could look away to take another oh, bite. I love this. <laughs> he writes. That's good stuff. Oh, yeah. You don't eat during, you can't eat during Twin Peaks. It's just no, not, probably not. not. A thing you can do. But, the, the gin works, though. I, I find, again, ice cold gin works just fine. <laughs> Apply um, ice cold gin liberally. Yes. Following yeah, Twin fact, Peaks to return. Tom, I think, as you know, I, 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 I use that just generally in my life. So. Yeah, it's, it's, it's your tonic. Yeah, oh, well tonic, played, sir. Just so, gin. So, so now, while I don't subscribe to the girl being Cooper's mother, because Cooper was already alive at this point, um, mm. I love the fact that all the speculation exists. I've heard so many yes. variations on what that frog bug is, who that girl was, who the woodsmen are, what is, is that the actual convenience store or a convenience store, and like all the, the various kind of crazy things. Con, you know concepts and speculative you know, speculative ideas that come out of it. I love the creativity that comes from all this. Totally. Oh yeah, this yeah. is why it's the best show ever. No other show. Is, I mean, it's just like it's dream logic. It's nightmare logic. It's that nightmare that you have when you're a kid yes. that you can't that you remember for the rest of your life, even if you don't yeah. understand it. 
<laughs> so let's. I'll do the next email here, Tom. Um, yeah, this, yeah. This comes from Special Agent Francis York Morgan. Uh, who says that I'm reading the secret history of Twin Peaks and watching the current season at the same time, which is probably smart to do. Um, but he says, after the most recent episode, Part 8, I happened to get to the interview with Jack Parsons, protege of Alistair Crowley, both potential owners of the Owl Cave Ring, um, who talks about using his work on the atomic bomb as means to, quote-unquote, open a gateway. Here's a direct <gasps> quote yep. from page 259 during an interview by Dougie Milford as part of Project Grudge. Quote, so this is also where, after founding JPL, Parsons first began enacting this bizarre Thalemia rituals. His associate told me, strictly off the record, those rituals were, quote, an attempt to summon into human form the spirit of a figure central to the Thalemia pantheon, the goddess Babylon, known as the Mother of Abominations. I know that everyone is still reeling from the last episode and I can relate. I think that this passage likely confirms that the nuclear testing did indeed open a gateway of sorts, which loosed, loosened Bob upon the earth via the mother, the eyeless figure. I'd love to hear everyone's thoughts on this. Um, Guys, and this, isn't and this, this not the coolest shit you've ever heard in your life? But it's this, pretty good. This, ties, this, this also reminded me of going back to when Coop was in, I guess they're calling it the purple room now, when he was in mm -hmm. um, that, the, the, the room with, the, with the, the doors and that sort of thing. And the, the woman without the eyes said, was, was My talking, mother. Yes, mother is coming. Oh, oh right. guys, holy shit. <laughs> right? Right? Goosebumps. Yes. No, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah, like a million that's... degrees in my apartment, but I would be having goosebumps right now if I was in Southern California. <laughs> Good observations. Oh, and yeah, once again, see, the secret, secret history. Nice. And, the, and the thing is that, like, there are parts of secret history that when reading them, I didn't understand how the guy who founded the JPL in LA would have anything to do with this stuff. But now it's all tying in. It's, it's, all, it's, it's, all like, it's like watching an amazing game of chess. Like, yeah. they're just like playing the longest long game right now. And then when it pays off, you're just like, oh, my, like, yeah. head yeah, explode. Yeah. All right. On to Robin Lynn's email. Hello, gentlemen. I enjoy your show. I grew up with Twin Peaks and I'm excited about the course the return is taking. I was entranced by episode eight, haunting, terrifying, lyrical, majestic mm -hmm. images at a seductive pace perfect lynch my partner jimmy who is also a fan of the original series told me of a conspiracy theory regarding the atomic bomb tests in white sands not content to use mannequins or simply morbidly curious homeward bound men were dry were driven into the testing site given food drink and lodging and told to stay as long as they liked the cinder men, as I have taken to call them, <gasps> the disheveled men, as burnt black and sometimes seem to dissolve into ash, as in the prison cell. At the very least, they look very inspired by the victims and survivors of the Hiroshima and Nagasaki sure. bombings. Since Lynch was a child of the era, I'm sure it would have haunted his dreams. Thanks for your time, and let Dougie alone. Long live Wally Brando. <laughs> <laughs> I immediately thought of the shadows uh, when, when I saw these guys, you know, when, yeah. and, and then and, and the nuclear uh, test. The first thing that occurred to me was, uh, you know, um, the, 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 the the painting exhibition, The Unforgettable Fire, the U2 albums named, named after, which is painted all by uh, survivors of Hiroshima and, and Nagasaki, Nagasaki. And it's, you know, you do see these photos and these paintings of, of literally of shadows of people because that's what happens. And happened. So, I mean, I, I thought of that right away. And uh, yeah, there may be that it's clearly a nod as soon as it showed uh, what the, the, the time and the place. And it was middle of July 1945. And I, I looked over at Isabel and I said, that's why he has the nuclear test in the back. It is all in his office right there. It's yep. the, the, the picture of the new mushroom clad. I was getting all excited. And, I, I, you know, it's. Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, the conspiracy theory is crazy, but the uh, the Twin Peaks stuff's great. 
Absolutely. Oh man, no. The, the the atomic bomb stuff is just so cool. All right. Well, we got one totally. more. E- we got one more email, and then I've got some observations that I want to get people's thoughts on. on. But uh, this email comes from Zach, uh, who writes in and says, "I want to give you my thought on the golden orb from the giant in episode mm-hmm. eight, when the golden orb, you know, the giant floats up into this into the air, and the orb comes out of it." Uh, he's, uh, Zach says, I hadn't seen Laura's face in the orb. I must have looked away or something, but I actually thought it had to do with the origin of Dougie Jones. Follow me on this. We know Coop got pulled from the lodge prematurely. Mike described it as a trick and shows the gold orb that Dougie turned into. However, knowing that the giant exists outside of time, he sees the creation of Bob and the vomiting creature, a creature that looks a lot like the thing from the glass box, by the way. Right. I, th- I think he actually created Dougie as a loophole for Coop to escape. I think the bug creature from the desert that crawls into the girl's mouth is the physical larva, so to speak, and that girl is actually Dougie's mother. I personally huh. feel like a young girl from New Mexico getting pregnant and running to Vegas in the 40s and the 50s makes plenty of sense. Mm. I don't know what to make of Laura's face in the orb, unfortunately. She's the connected tissue between Cooper and Bob, and it's possible the giant recognizes her as a space in history to tie the orb to. Uh, so, yeah, and he says it sucks that we have to wait two weeks before this madness, but I still hold hope that there'll be a turn a turn to the season towards classic Coop. Um, but another another theory there about the about the Laura orb. Yeah. Holy smokes! <laughs> I I I am still thinking, and and it could be absolutely wrong, and and Zach may be totally right. Uh, but I've been thinking that Dougie didn't exist until twenty years ago. Yeah, that that that's that my, Dougie take is just sort of popped yeah. into existence. Nobody uh, names their son Sunny Jim. Like they're just like well, they somebody just seem some, like well, a glamour. Well, why is she named Janie E like Wally? Yeah, you know, like I don't understand that. But 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 the but uh, Mike, the man, the the one armed man, does say to Cooper that that he he was created, right? He was he was yeah. You know, so like I I got the sense that I agree that that uh, Mr. C created Dougie. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, to avoid, you know, maybe to to avoid having to go back into the lodge or or who knows, yeah, as, but, as yeah. kind of a safety valve, yeah. uh, and and that and but it ended up sneaking, it ended up being a way to sneak Cooper in, but not a very good way. It's a hack, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, well, I I think it, I mean it's the <clears> only <throat> real way to explain Janie's insane behavior. I mean, she's just like no sane woman gets their husband back like that and t- takes like a week to get him to a hospital. Yeah. Like, right. And it also is as amazing as the scene is when she talks to the two guys and only gives them twenty five grand. It also she's explains. Her mind. It explains <laughs> that behavior because she's only you know whatever if she's programmed or created she's only able to to go out outside of a certain logic sense. She wouldn't be able to de- understand or deal with these guys. So she's like, this is what I'm doing. She doesn't. She literally can't even feel fear. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying if Dougie was created by Mr. C. And our Naomi Watts character from Mulholland Drive happened to head to Vegas later See? and is involved with the Cinderman I'm, or I'm, whatever. I am, I'm with you on this, job. Well, I am champion. Uh, well, that's a, that's a very good segue because, Tom, I wanted to bring up, we're talking about the going back to the, to the giant um, in episode eight when the giant goes to the theater and watches the events of, the, of, the, mm-hmm. of Bob or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that was filmed in the same theater that was Club Silencio in was it Island Drive? Yes, it was the, <laughs> the the Tower Theater in Los Angeles, which everybody knows is a favorite location of of, of David Lynch. But it is it, Club Silencio is in Mulholland Drive is the same place as where the Giant was in Episode Eight. So see, see, see. 
Why I'm don't sure I live it's in that place? Just a coincidence, Ron. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Well, so that, that, that ties to, to to my question, speculation. Um, yeah, yeah. The giant and the 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 woman, uh, what, what, Senorita Dadito. What what is her name? Um, yeah, Senorita, Senorita Dido. Senorita Dido. Um, it was that the White Lodge. My wife oh. asked that same question, and yeah. I, 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 that didn't occur to me because I mean, she said, "Is that the White Lodge?" And I said, "I, uh, it's the Purple Lodge with the Mercury space capsule in it." Yeah, right. No, I, <laughs> so I don't, I don't I think it's the White Lodge. I think the giant is is sort of in, a, in above it or between it or in and out. The giant okay. isn't a place where it's controlling all the lodges and control, like helping to balance things. Right. I don't think he could do mm. that within the White Lodge. He would have that, to be ex- outside of it. And so, so then the other thing, then related to that, wherever he is, um, that big kind of bell-like contraption that he presses the button on to stop the alarm going off. A couple of people have commented, some people in the Slack as well as on the internet, that it looks a lot like the uh, Die Glocke or whatever, which is German for yes. the bell, which was a secret Nazi device or a secret weapon that nobody knew actually what it was, but it was a very large bell. Um, and you know, some people, uh, it was speculated that it was a time machine, um, but who knows? But uh, the, 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 the supposed history is that, that that bell ended up in a Nazi-friendly South American country. So given, oh, nice. given, given that there's already been South America... Mentioned, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 right. And that's mm-hmm. where Phil, that's where Phil Jeffries ended up going, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's where yeah. Mr. C ended up going. He was in Brazil as well, yep. too. And so, yep. yeah, so uh, yeah, a lot. A lot I, the thing is, we've seen a lot. We can draw a lot of conclusions, but there's still a lot to be explained. <laughs> oh, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, and I have to say, Black Lodge and White Lodge are Twin Peaks located. I feel like, yeah. And what we saw, what we saw, the giant being a part of, does seem like something outside. I'm with you Over on that. Yeah, overarching yeah. and sort of uh, worldwide or universe-wide. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting you bring up a time machine because uh, I, uh, most people that I talked to that didn't like episode eight were really having a hard time with the pacing of it. But for me, it always felt like, I mean, the, the denizens of the White Lodge and the Black Lodge and the people that are outside of humanity, like, you know, the way that they talk in the Red Room, you know, the, the weird cadence of their speech, everything is like it's something that isn't human trying to be translated to human. So the images and the sounds and everything yeah. is a little not quite right, including time. Mm-hmm. So when I was watching it, everyone's like really getting really impatient and it took him forever to turn the alarm off. But we don't know. That could have been a second for him. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's yeah. interesting. It's like, yeah. It's like yeah, the he's outside of time in Deep Space Nine. Yeah. 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 So yeah. time doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Yeah, but for us as humans, getting it tra- getting it translated ah. down into into human time, that's like we were like, what the fuck? Turn the fucking alarm off. Yeah. But for him, it's nothing. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that just makes me think of that 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 kind of time bending that happens in the morning when when your alarm goes off, and and you it takes a while for you to you know things that and and dream time where you're like, wait a minute, I was only asleep for a couple of seconds and I've dreamed this thing that, that took hours. How did that happen? Well, yeah, and, oh, that's a really good point. And then I also saw the theory, I think somebody somebody said, put it across, and on t- they tweeted it at us, it was on Twitter, but there was wondering that, so, so Mr. C gets shot, which, by the way, Mr. C gets shot in episode eight, which is which when Cooper got shot in season one, it was episode eight. Yeah. Just saying, but amazing. Yeah, yeah nice but, symmetry. Yeah, nice little ring theory going on there. But um, Mr. C gets shot, and then the you know the 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 woodsmen appear, and you see them messing with his body and rubbing the blood all over him, and then the, the Bob Orb is either being put back in him or taken out of him. 
right? And then it cuts to the whole White Sands kind of thing. Somebody put a, set forth the theory that um, maybe the, the atomic bomb and everything that happened after that was not a flashback, but rather following the linear pro pro progression of the episode. And when Bob got came out of Mr. C after being shot, he went back in time to the atomic bomb, mm. and then now we've got either an alternate history going on okay. or something okay. like that. I don't necessarily subscribe to that, but I thought it was interesting to think of, like, okay, how are we interpreting time? Like, just because it says New Mexico 1945 doesn't mean that we're going back in the story, you know? Like it, it, no, that's right. Yeah, so. I think my hope is that, and I, I'm interested to see what you three think, but I think that Bob was coming out of Coop. I think... It, it was one of those things where he got shot, but because Bob was inside of him, that's yeah. what took the bullet. But he's still alive again. He's still alive, but he no longer has that extra power. And I think like the oh, really? charred hobos were seeing what was going on, and they were trying to absorb some of that bo evil Bob power. So I was really excited when I saw that because I feel like that puts Mr. C and Coop back on even footing. Yeah, I, I, I exactly I, what I thought, I took it, and, and it could be entirely wrong because you guys make a compelling case that I hadn't thought of, but I took it as while they're fixing Mr. C, they pulled the Bob Orb out of him, you know, and then put it back in. Basically, like, you know, rearranging his organs, uh, which is why they were, you know, messing with him and p putting blood. But I am I was under the impression that they, they just kind of restored the, the Bob Orb, and that's why they were able to make him live again. They felt like more it, like vultures to me. If why would he why would they bring him back to life then exactly. i feel like bob is the okay, spirit okay. that animates okay. him. no that's that's also uh, a good okay. point John. that's also a good point i like yeah. that so okay you, you take you take the bob out and when you do a bob transplant you have to stop the bob yes and then yeah. you, put, <laughs> you put the bob well, back in and you're technically dead and yeah yeah well no yeah. but the thing is I, I always felt like mr c mr c could mr bob is inhabiting mr c because he needed a body to to you know to possess right but Mr. C was Cooper's doppelganger, and it's that's just Cooper. That's just dark. That's just dark Cooper. So mm -hmm. Mr. C can exist without Bob. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I don't true. know. Actually, I don't know. I'm making this up right now. Yeah. Maybe that's <laughs> the problem with Dougie. Is that the doppelganger is just the dark parts of Cooper? See, this and is what is Cooper yeah. being returned as as the good Cooper can't survive because it's just the good parts of Cooper and and not to be too cute but Bob completes Mr. C and makes him able to function otherwise he would also be like a dark version of Dougie. Yep. Yeah, see what they need to do is put him back together in the transport. They need to high five really hard and they then they can be one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then Captain Kirk walks around with that uh, with with, the, with with that uh, pet and uh, it's it goes after Yoman right. Rand. No, they yeah. have a transporter accident that Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh man, so much, so much stuff to mine, and we've got, we've got what a, a ten? I can't even do math now. Ten, we got ten more parts to go through. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, amazing stuff. I mean, well, but again, I got excited because I think I thought that last episode meant that we're gonna get, like things are gonna shift for Coop pretty. I soon. think so too. That, that's my take, and I, I'm pretty sure what's gonna happen is that uh, uh, you know people when 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 Dougie slash Good Coop. Um, beat up uh, the 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 little assassin guy. Oh, that was so good. That was great. But when that happened, we saw people talking on the news, and you got to know it's 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 this day and age that's going to go viral. Yep. 
people in the Twin Peaks Sheriff Department, the 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 real one, not the one with the dispatch and the computers, are going to see this. But none of them really know who who uh, who, who Cooper is. They they don't know the stories, right? Gordon's going to find him. It's exactly what's going to happen. It's yeah. going it's going to end up on YouTube. Yeah, I, that's 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 what I figure is going to happen. You know, it's on YouTube. And, absolutely, uh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. No, yeah. It, it, and it might be both Gordon and and Hawk, both. Yeah, and yeah. Hawk, and I think you know, and and maybe uh, Andy, but Andy probably doesn't know how to use a computer. And oh, we know that. Oh, uh, Andy. <laughs> well, hey, well. I mean, to be let's be let's be real here. Lucy's still having trouble with phones. Yeah. <laughs> there's no way Lucy has a has a has a has a cell phone. Yeah. Uh, she she's got a flip phone, uh, like like Fox Mulder had in the in the nineties. So, <laughs> well, but so yeah, the, this this is what I think is gonna happen. So the thing is that we we've been so caught up in the Bob and the Garmamboja and the and the Woodsman and Dougie and stuff like that. We still don't know what's going on in South Dakota with that murder. We still don't no. know what's going on at Major Briggs's body. We still don't know what's going on with Richard Horn and you know, you know, like and and Carl Rod and and what's actually Where's going on. Where's Big Ed? Where's Big the Ed? Thing I, the only thing I care about right now, besides Cooper, is honestly seeing if Norma and Big Ed are together. Like that's my one true pairing is Norma and Big Ed. It's all I want. <laughs> it's like the thing that I am most excited about more than anything else in the world. A few people wrote it and pointed out that Nadine has a wedding ring on, but who she married to? Is right. it Big Mike. Ed or Mike? Is it Mike? Right. And and as I many so. and as many people pointed out, we still haven't seen. We we don't know what we we heard reference Audrey. that Audrey survived the the bank blast, but we don't know what mm-hmm. happened to her. There's lots. But of we spe- know that something that that Mr. C might have visited her. There was some. Right. Who, where was the speculation that maybe he, Mr. C, visiting Audrey in the hospital was it, it was the from, reason Wishard Horn came about? It was from Doc. Yeah, it was from right. Doc Hayward. Yeah, Doc Hayward said he remembered that Cooper the next day went to the hospital. He presumed to talk to Audrey. Um, yeah, who knows? We still don't. We there's uh, so much we still don't know, <laughs> and it just it's mind boggling to see how much more we need to find out. So it's it's great. <laughs> All I right. Just, well, thanks again uh, to to everybody for for hanging in there with us again, uh, and a special thanks to our guests today, uh, Mallory O'Mara. Where can people find more of what you're doing? Uh, you can find me pretty much all over the internet at Mallory O'Mara on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I pretty recently launched uh, a podcast of my own, which actually Tom Merritt is uh, going to be a, was a guest on, and he was going to be was our, so fun. Our, our episode for this week. It's called Reading Glasses. So if you like books and reading and want to see me talk this excitedly about reading, you can head on over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and look at Reading Glasses. Dave Broadbeck, my friend, thank you for joining us. Where can we find more of what you're doing these days? You can find me at Deep Broadback on Twitter. Uh, you can find uh, podcasts I do, uh, broken-area.com, which is me and my wife grocery shopping. Uh, you can also find uh, other stuff I do, mmvh.ca, the Marshall McLuhan Variety Hour, and bestepisodeever.com, which is a, a podcast I do with a couple other guys about retro television, all pre-1989. Excellent. Uh, you can comment on this episode yourselves, folks, at damnfinepodcast.com or send us an email, feedback at damnfinepodcast.com. Thank you to everyone who supports us on Patreon, patreon.com slash damnfinepodcast. That's how we're getting all of these great theories in, in a lot of ways is from people in our Slack who are patrons of the show. You can follow us on Twitter at damnfinecast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash damnfinepodcast. Uh, any, any last thoughts, Ron, before we're out of here? And as we mentioned last week, please 
please continue to go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review, and we appreciate everybody who's done that. Um, it would be great to see you know some of the, the folks who are enjoying the show from a positive standpoint, leaving some positive reviews as well. But uh, we thank everybody who's left any sort of review. <laughs> love the feedback. Love the damn fine community. Uh, this has just been awesome and amazing, and I, I, I just cannot even for a moment guess what part nine what the opening scene of part nine will be like where do you start after that i just don't know <laughs> i cannot wait so <laughs> this is the chair not <laughs> not not the water or the well this is the chair is the is the uh is the description for the july 9th episode part nine we'll talk about that after it airs next week i'm tom i'm ron i'm